Hello, and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, starting with N's, the notable, the noteworthy, and the non-parallel, Mary Abijay. <laughs> Chris DeSantis, you got the opening exactly right. You named the podcast correctly. You didn't call me a co-horse. You really, you it was stellar. I'm going to give you a round of applause in that. So that I feel just, ah, oh, I feel very, very, I feel warm and fuzzy towards you right now. It's uh, a good day. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Mary Abijay, and I am delighted to introduce to you my co-host, the nifty, the nimble, the sometimes naughty, but never nettlesome, Chris DeSantis. Excellent. You got five in there. Dude, I had so much fun with the ends. The ends were really great. That's good. That's very good. Never nettlesome. Never nettlesome. I love that. So how are you doing? You're good? I'm doing really well. I'm I'm hanging in there, you know, day by day, doing my thing. How about you? Doing well, thank you. I think this is going to be a fun week. These are interesting questions that we've been approached with. So can't wait. Yes, this week is about being inappropriate. So, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, let's start with you, Mary. Has anyone ever asked you an inappropriate question? Chris, are you kidding me? I'm usually the one that's asking the inappropriate questions. Like, if I'm usually the one that said, oh, how much did you pay for that? Oh, you sold your house. What did you get? Oh, what size shoes are those? Like, I am I am probably really, really bad at asking inappropriate questions. Uh, so I don't necessarily remember the ones that are asked of me, but I definitely cringe on the ones that I ask. I just can't help it. I, I'm, I'm curious. Well, that's an interesting way of phrasing it. I think I think inappropriate is also very situational, right? Yeah. It's, uh, so there are situations, and there might be some universally inappropriate questions. We'll probably get to that, I guess. But I, I think it just varies. And I think we're talking about work. So in the in the context of work, there's sort of boundaries about what you can inquire about. This episode really isn't about the HR questions, meaning that there's a whole list of questions that you can't ask in an interview. In, inappropriate interview questions. Uh, are those things that can discriminate against you. So really, discrimination is when somebody treats you unfairly because of things like your personal life, your physical features, sexuality, ethnicity, gender, things like that. Those those questions become inappropriate and illegal at the same time. We're talking really about these subjective inappropriate questions like um, like ones Mary just mentioned. Um, do you really need to eat that too? You see, that's an inappropriate question, right? So uh, that, I think that's interesting because I think there are gradients, right? I think yeah, you have- right? Right. I mean, people you know well. They, you know, they're personal. Uh, then they're sensitive. Then there's intimate, and then it moves moves on to inappropriate. That's right? true. And there's like one time I like, I remember this one just because it was kind of uh row. I was it was soon after nine eleven, and I was mm-hmm. flying somewhere. And you know, my last name is Abijay, mm-hmm. and uh, and the TSA said Abijay, what ethnicity is that? And people, let me be really clear, it's Arabic, Assyrian, oh, all the way. Right. And I looked at him, I said, it's French. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> okay. I'm just like, dude, I... I Oh, really? So exactly. that was kind of, yeah. So now it's Abouge. 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 I love your Abouge. So, okay, well, this is great. Let's start off with our first question because we've got Do some it. robust questions here. This one's called Spurned Donor. Wait a minute. That's hilarious. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just said like spurned donor. I love it. Go ahead. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this as we read the question. Okay. Hello, Mary and Chris. 
Love your insightful and well-done podcast. Thanks for the excellent free advice. Well, you're most welcome. On to why I'm writing you too. I've always fit well into the office culture, worked to get along with my coworkers, and developed close friendships at work. On one occasion, one of the women that would join some of us for lunch occasionally asked me to lunch with only her. Over my cheese enchilada lunch, she casually asked me if I would be her sperm donor. No strings attached. I hope not over lunch. <laughs> I love the no strings attached. Go ahead. <laughs> right. She explained that she wanted to have a child without a father involved. Now, after discussing her request with my husband, we decided that our answer was no. We couldn't help her out. I explained our answer and how we arrived at our decision to her. She didn't take the answer well, and she reacted angrily towards me and has since avoided me in the office. This has happened some years ago, uh, but even now, I'm overly cautious how chummy I am with my coworkers. Where is the line between work and home life? And secondly, should you have a strong boundaries between the two? Signed, afraid of, I will not be ignored. <laughs> so good. Okay, I'm a little bit without speech. I love like spermed donor. Spermed donor, I love that. I love that. I, so I... I, I she, she, he doesn't need our advice or my advice on whether or not to give up the sperm, right? Because that's that's over. So this is really about just moving on to the future around boundaries. Is that correct? I want to make sure. Yes, that's what it's about. Although I'm more interested in this exchange with her, but I'll let you take on the part about boundaries. Yeah, because I'm not taking on the sperm exchange. That's for you, my friend. Um, all right. So yes, uh, yes, keeping some boundaries uh, at work is a really good idea. Some boundaries mm -hmm. between your personal and your professional life you know and it's a fine balance like there's no really like wall i can say uh point to and say this is this is too much to share this is not enough so you're going to have to kind of uh tiptoe through this a little bit of trial and error to find out who you can trust and who you can't trust mm -hmm. uh, but you do want to be careful that, about sharing big personal stuff so keep that circle very very tight you mm -hmm. know for example I know a lot of people have like their work wife or their work husband or their work sister like keep that big personal stuff to this tight of circle as you can only with people that you really really trust and I'm going to say keep it especially tight with your boss mm -hmm. uh, resist the urge to become BFFs with your boss, even if they want to be your best friend forever. And here's why. Your boss is not your friend. Your boss may be friendly, but at the end of the day, they are your supervisor. And if you become BFFs with your boss, a couple of things are going to happen. One, your colleagues are going to become very jealous and they're going to just talk mm. about how your career success is only because you're BFFs with the boss. And they're going to start excluding you from things. They're going to stop talking about things in front of you. So avoid that. The other thing about becoming BFFs with your boss is that you're not going to get the feedback that you need. It's mm -hmm. either going to be all, you know, you know, uh, glory and donuts and bells and whistles and ice cream and frosting like you're fabulous or they're going to avoid giving you bad feedback at all or when they give you bad feedback it might feel like a slap against the you know across the face and the last thing about becoming BFS with your boss or with your colleagues is they can't 
unhear things. So you might share something personal, which may not put you in a great light, and they're not going to not hear it. Like they'll never be able to forget what you said about that thing. So you do want to be careful. And so that was mine. I decided to take this into a different direction because I don't know what to tell uh, the sperm donor about that situation. But yes, keep your boundaries up to the best that you can. I thought that was really good advice, Mary. Just really quickly to summarize is, A, have some boundaries. Keep your private life private. By the way, you might want to go back to one of our previous episodes on gossip, office gossip. That might be helpful to listen to you or listen. Next, uh, uh, no BFFs because uh, there is something to be said about the information they have on you and sharing that. It has utility at work, right? Yeah. And once you do share these things, they cannot be unshared or unheard. That's so right. uh, be cautious at the beginning of all of this. I and be think. very aware of being too friend, too big of friends with your boss. You got to keep yes. those boundaries very clear. I think that's clear. Now, let me talk about this situation. Please do. I'm <laughs> yes. dying to hear what you have to say. First of all, uh, my reaction, my first reaction is, what's her problem? Afraid gave you a, a very thoughtful response and went on to explain that he even had the discussion with his husband, uh, that he was signaling that he was taking it seriously, but it wasn't his decision alone. So... Th- Now, again, the more I thought about it, the more I felt sadder for this woman. She's looking for a donor, and I would guess she's feeling pressed for time and and, and in a bit of a panic. How else would you explain going out to a co-worker and not an intimate and asking them to be a donor, right? A sperm donor. Now, I suspect this this co-worker, you, you, uh, you, Mr. Donor, is comely and she is attracted to him. I also suspect, since he's already discussed it with his husband in front of her, she already knew he was gay because she did say uh, that, uh, that uh, she wasn't looking for a father and she's probably making some assumptions about this individual who's willing not to be considered a father. Uh, I think her behavior towards afraid is a reaction to the shame she feels about being rejected and the anger she feels in the situation in which she has found herself. She's projecting her anger and frustration on afraid so as not to take full responsibility for her situation. I also think she's blaming someone instead of doing taking that responsibility and changing it. Now, having said all of this, having said all of this, afraid uh, you made the right decision of not to help, but you could put out there an olive branch. You could say, look, while I'm disappointed with your reaction to how I replied, if you really want to be a mother, maybe we can talk about what I've learned about artificial insemination, what it entails, and what you can done relative to the literature. If she accepts your offer, that's great. If she doesn't, then she was never taking this seriously in the first place, and I'd move on. Yeah. So, I mean, Chris, overall, though, in general, is it inappropriate to ask a coworker to be a surrogate? Oh, I, I, again, again, you, you, the, the, I think there are gradients to this. Some of us have coworkers we would die for because we have gone through the crucible uh, experiences with them. So I think it always becomes, uh, in our, like in our last episode, we talked about partners. The, 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 the depth of the relationship of the partnership will tell you something about the willingness about what you would do beyond the work itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. I think it's a. It's a. I wouldn't suggest it. Anybody out there? I wouldn't. <laughs> suggest I mean, they have. They have to be really your work husband to do that. <laughs> yeah. 
And, yeah. you know, and you know, unless it's those, a secret Santa, secret, Santa. A secret, Santa, secret <laughs> sperm Santa, you know, the other thing is like, so for those of you who may have asked an inappropriate question or pushed a boundary, mm-hmm. uh, when you do that and you don't get the answer that you want, or you maybe get like, you know, smacked down a little bit for yeah. your question, be gracious about it. Like yeah. when I ask people, Hey, would you pay for your house? If they don't want to tell me, then I'm going to be like, Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to pry. <laughs> yeah. No. So like, be gracious. Don't get all mad when someone isn't going to say yes to your inappropriate yeah, I know. Question. And there, uh, well, I, we'll we'll have to move off of this because I think that we can talk a little bit about this. That sensitive questions are very interesting. People are are a bit reluctant to ask sensitive questions, but what they in the research shows that people actually are more willing to answer sensitive questions than we actually imagine they are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And you know, and then what, I know I'm joking about. Well, I'm not really joking when I do ask people how much things cost or stuff like that. But I'm a big fan of people should talk more about money and a little bit less about money. Like we should talk Mm. more. We should have a much more transparent conversation about things that are financial. So I, um, because I think people learn more and you'd be surprised how many people will share their information. Like I don't ask people like how much money do you have in the bank? No. At least not many people, but I do. (laughs) I do like to have conversations about finances with people. I think that's healthy. Yeah, I think so too. All right, that was good. You ready for another question? I am, but I gotta tell you, like these are really hard. So go ahead. <laughs> I know this is this is a this was now this is a, an interesting question. This is called diversity and exclusion. Ooh. I run a not-for-profit for getting microloans in the hands of women in Southeast Asia. I'm a lesbian, which will be relevant in a moment. I recently hired a new director, and we had our second one-on-one Get Acquainted meeting. I am not sure there will be a third. (laughs) In the first meeting, she shared a little bit about herself and why she loves doing God's work. I shared with her my story and how I met my wife doing this kind of work. Back to our second meeting. She comes in and says she's been praying for me, and she left me a gay conversion therapy book on my desk on the way out. I said nothing at the time. Should this person be working here feeling as she does? Signed, Baffled. Wow, ain't that a kick in the ass? Conversion therapy, let's say right up front, is a load of shit. So if it doesn't work, uh, it doesn't work, and it's willfully cruel. Anyway, Mary, what do you think? I say, ouch. Yeah. Ouch, ouch, ouch. This is not good. And I uh, I got to tell you, I'm really struggling with this one. There's a yeah. lot of things here. Uh, the first thing I'm going to say is uh, hire an employment lawyer uh, or consult with an employment la- lawyer right away. Uh, because if you think that this person isn't going to work out, uh, you want to make sure that if you are going to terminate the relationship, uh, then you do so in a way that uh, doesn't put you into under any... Uh, 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 risk of being sued mm-hmm. uh, for discrimination yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to be really clear. That's the first thing I would say. So basically, I think you got a couple of, of choices. Um, and I also want to say one other thing before I say a couple of choices. Sure. Uh, I'm curious why the I love doing God's work didn't come up during the interview. So <laughs> I would go back and check your interviewing skills because people who are members of the God squad uh-huh. are usually pretty clear about it. So I'm wondering how this person got through. Yeah, so that's an interesting thing, point. Right. So what I struggle with here is um, two things. One is her behavior, the therapy is just shockingly intolerant and inexcusable and Mm -hmm. terrible. But then I struggle with, if you get rid of her, does that make you intolerant Uh uh, and exclusionary for having her? So I think you either, 
uh, have to get rid of her uh, in some nice way, some, you know, legal way. You could keep her uh, and have a conversation about what's inappropriate uh, about her leaving you pamphlets and about, you know, maybe you don't want to be prayed for and use this as an opportunity <laughs> for both of you to learn a little bit more about each other. Maybe you could transform her. Uh, and the third, the third choice uh, is uh, just to accept her the way she is and just ignore it. Uh, but mm. I don't really like that one. Uh, so I, I, Chris, really, honestly, I don't really see there's any good choices here. Uh, and I'm going to turn this over to you because I think you'll have much better ideas. I'm just going to say a big ouch again. No, I, I'm with you. I would like this to just go away. But I yeah. think if you're going to, it's a tough, uh, it's tough because this new director, in her mind, is well-intended. Yeah. And I would suspect she truly believes she is doing God's work, even yeah. though this isn't God's work, right? So the difficulty we're dealing with is one's beliefs. And I don't think that's something you can change or even should be addressing in the workplace. And that makes this a two-part issue. So I think first you have to address, uh, go back to the, uh, the NGO's mission of helping one is one of inclusivity. Mm -hmm. The entity in which we are working, uh, we are working for people of all denominations, and we are likely to be working with women of all gender identities. We are not here to judge them, but rather to help them. And if this new direction, director wants to be a part of this organization's mission, she has to refrain from foisting her personal beliefs yep. onto other people that we serve. These women are vulnerable, and when a person in authority imposes upon them in the form of suggestions uh, that they might believe something, they, they might infer that they either do that or they lose this microloan. For these reasons, we should never proselytize our beliefs or suggest changes to their identities in any way that abuses our inferred authority, period, end of story. Now, before she leaves this office, after you level this lecture on her, you don't just say to her, is this clear? You turn around and say, going forward, what am I asking you to do? And she then will clarify and make sure if you are not on the same page in that moment, I go back to what Mary said, and you bring the lawyer's statement out and you say, I'm sorry, then this is not satisfactory, and uh, uh, we have to part company. Yep. I think that's what you do. And then the second thing, by the way, once this is all resolved, one week later, I'd read her the riot act on this stupid conversion therapy book. Oh, so you would separate those conversations. Yes, I would oh, separate them. I really like that. I really like that. Because she and first I'm, has to agree to this is who yeah. we are at work. And secondly, this is who I am as a person. And don't you ever do that again. Yeah, I you know, I think that is just, I think that's perfection. So, so really lay down the law with her yes. around like what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. If you're going to work here, yes. here's the behavior I expect from you. And then, uh, and then, uh, separate that from, and I like that you say, wait a week and then read of the riot act and here who, here's who I am and here's how I expect to be treated by you. Yes. I think that's great. I have nothing to add, but that's perfect. Yeah, I just feel sad for this situation yeah. to even occur and how um, I, I think the trouble, and your point was very well taken early on, Mary, is I, I got to deal with you every day knowing this, even though if we agree on this, I still got to deal with you knowing that that's in the backdrop of who we are to yeah. each other. Yeah. yeah. Very and you know the thing that just the thing that makes I think the whole inclusion uh, conversation so difficult for so many organizations is just that 
you have like it's you, both sides have to include like you yes. can't like yes. the minute we start judging one side or the other no matter what your beliefs then we've stopped being inclusive and yes. being inclusive is hard and it's a lot of work and it takes it takes having conversations that are uncomfortable and sometimes it means working with people that you really disagree with yes. their beliefs and their values it's 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 i mean the people that do de and i work i have so much respect for and admiration because these are tough issues well, let me make an, another point to Baffled. Baffled, you are not only the leader of an organization, you are a role model for who you are. So in this sense, I think this is contact theory in, in, in reality. If you work with this woman over time, she starts to learn that her own prejudices and ignorances were, were not well-founded, and maybe she will come around. Give, Transformation, so, yeah. Yes. So, so I think in this chance, you're, you're, uh, you're educating her possibly as to becoming better than she is today. And you know, I really believe that. I really believe if we can resist being exclusionary for people that we feel are bigoted in this case or whatever, yes. uh, that that can work. I have a uh, a faux family member that was one of the most racist people I've ever met, but didn't think they were racist, right. but they were. And then this person had a terrible accident and needed 24-hour around-the-clock care. Hmm. And most of the people that were hired to care for this person were people of color from uh, immigrants uh, pe mm -hmm. and people of color. And it was stunning. Like, like, 12 weeks she had this round the clock round the clock care and after those 12 weeks she sang a totally different hmm. tune uh about who these people were and it was shocking and it was really what you said is really the contact theory so it really was i think it can be it can be a great way to bring people around i agree with you but i would keep a, a watchful eye on oh, this yeah. person for a while <laughs> let's just say that oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> be prudent. Be All right. Prudent. You want to move Don't on? Don't expect miracles, but yeah, you never yeah. know. <laughs> so this, this actually, this third question is a little on the lighter tone. So I think this. Okay, because that one gave me a stomachache. I, I was know, very right? About I know. One. This one's called "Singled Out." Hi, I enjoy your podcast. I work at a boat engine manufacturing plant in Wisconsin. It's a good job, and they are pretty much the only employer in town. I'm a 26-year-old single guy. My boss, the plant manager, called me in and starts up this weird conversation asking me about my private life. Like, what do I do for fun? What's my favorite bar? And if I'm dating anyone? He then says he'd like to fix me up with his niece who would love my favorite bar. She's thinking of moving back to town and he wants to give her a good reason to stay. Well, I'm not dating anyone, but I am interested in someone. I am not interested in taking my boss's niece on a blind date to a bar where she works. I said I'd think about it. I've already said I'm single, so how do I get out of doing this and not offending the biggest employer in town? Damned if I don't. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You know I love questions about love and romance <laughs> and sex in the workplace. All right, I'm a little confused by this. So when he says he's not interested in taking his boss's niece on a blind date to the bar where she works, I'm assuming he means the she of, is the person that he's interested in. Yes, the she must work at his favorite bar. Okay, the, the other one, the niece lives out of town. Yes. Got it. All right, so I got lots of ideas here. All right, I'm going to give, I'm going to give Damned If I Don't a menu, a love menu, if you so will, good. of different options. All right, so 
Option number one, damned. Just tell the boss the truth. Just say, boom. You know, I'd love to take your niece out, but I'm really interested in this other girl. And, you know, so I really don't want to mess it up. If it doesn't work out, let me get back to you. Right? Bam. Uh, Second thing is go on the date. Just Mm -hmm. go on the date. Like, just suck it up. Go on the date. Be a bad date. (laughs) (laughs) Right? If you decide you don't like her, you know, be a bad date. Uh, But you know what? If you take her to that bar and that girl you like sees you, nothing makes us women more interested in men. I think probably this is multi-sex. Then seeing you with someone interested in you separately, right? So if I saw you with someone else, I'd be like, wow, he must be a good catch because that girl wants to go out with them. It could actually help to attract the other girl to you. Third choice, make it a group date. Gather a bunch of your friends together and go out on a group date. Say, we'll take her out, we'll introduce her to some friends, blah, blah, blah. Um, Or offer to do it as a friend. Say, hey, you know, I'm not really looking to date anyone right now, but I'm happy to take your niece out as a friend. Bam. Um, My other choice, I told you I had a menu. My other choice is- Yeah, this is is great. Find another sucker to take out the niece and say to your boss, like, you know what? I'm really not the right person. I'm actually interested in someone else. But my friend, Chris, I think he'd be perfect for your niece. Do that. Um, And then my last option is... um, just collude with her on the date. Like when you set up, mm. just say, hey, listen, I got to be honest with you. I'm really interested in this girl. So I'm going to take you to this bar. And if you could help me like, you know, look good for her, or, like just because she probably doesn't want to go out with you. You either. could make out with me in front of make her. Make out with me. Like, you know, <laughs> if you let me like feel you up a little bit or, or I don't know, maybe you could slap me and we'll make a scene, you know, or something like that. So, you know, I think you have lots of options. It's yes. really, I think this is a really fun question and I'm not sure which one I would do. I'd probably go on the date and be a bad date. Uh, but those are my options. Chris, I can't wait to hear what you think. Well, I, I think your options cover everything. I, I, I was pl- I was thinking along with this. I'm thinking, we don't know what she looks like. So <laughs> if you show up with her and it goes in either direction that's too extreme, this could be a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, So for instance, if she's too beautiful and the the other woman sees her, she might go, oh no, I don't, I'm, I'm not in that league. Or if she's the other way, say, whoa, this guy is like, oh, you know, he's not in my league for sure. So in that, and then if you go with a double blind date, uh, you know, because, you know, that's really bad. I don't know what she looks like. Uh, tell her I don't know what he looks like but I think this will be able to work out so I think that what my idea was similar to one of the uh, sort of comes in the middle of all that is look I would go this might be an opportunity to go straight to your favorite bar and go up to this woman that you've been afraid to talk to so far and say look I want to take you out and the reason I want to tell you now is I'm going to be coming in here with a date and she's going to look at you she's like what do you mean you want to take me out you're going to come here with a date well my boss set me up to do this and then explain the whole thing to her so oh, now yeah, she's, could, I love that. Yeah. So now she's in on, but say, I wanted to preempt here because you're the one I'm interested in, but I need a job. And then I would just like take your advice again, pick this woman up, this, this blind date up and t- get, let her in on it and, and bring, by the way, call your other friends who are around the same age, have them all gather at the bar, introduce her to a full circle of people. Group date. Group date, like you just said. And then you've got this other woman who's now interested in you, or hopefully you will have a date as a consequence of this. This young lady meets everybody in town who's worthy of meeting and, and, and everyone, you know, done and done, everyone's happy. 
everyone's yeah. happy. And you know what's really great about that uh, about that choice is if the if the boss wants the niece to move back to town, he's going to have a better chance of convincing her this is a great place. If she meets a lot of cool young people, exactly. I'm assuming they're young, their yeah. age, as opposed to one, you should never move somewhere for just one person. Well, maybe never. I mean, no. maybe for married to that person, sure. But like, yeah, I I I, I think of all of these the group dates really. The I best, think the group the dates best the key. Yeah. That's hey, key. Chris, before we go, have you ever been on a blind date? And I mean blind date. Blind date. Yes, I yes, I have. I have been on a blind date. I was 22 years old. Uh, it was in Las Vegas, and my uncle and aunt lived there. And I went out to visit them, and he set me up with uh, somebody they knew. He lent me his... Uh, um, what was it called? An MG sports car. It was one of those oh, MG convertibles. Yeah, yeah. And get this. I was 22, so I was per, uh, I was quite bold. I took this woman uh, to uh, the Stardust. The Stardust was still there. That's how long ago this was. Frank Sinatra's birthday was a party was going on. And so what I told her to do is come to, we, we went to the entrance and I said, wave to somebody in the room, wave. And then we just kept waving to people. So somebody waved back. And then we walked past the guards and got into this party. Oh, that's awesome. That, oh my God. At 22, that 22. was very Machiavellian. I, know, I right? love it. I thought that love was great. It. I love it. So, that's brilliant. I love it. So you had a, at least a fun date. It was fun. I mean, we didn't click, you know, it wasn't yeah. going to happen. But the idea there was, uh, that was my, that was the most fun I ever had on a blind date. I love it. I love it. What about I you? Uh, the one blind, blind date yeah. that I had, oh my God, people, don't write me letters. I was 22, I think I think I was 22 as well, maybe 23. A good friend of mine set me up on this date and she said, Mary, this guy is perfect for you. You're going to love him. Like, it's going to be great. And I roll in and people, I'm like 5'9". I roll into this date <laughs> and this guy's like 5'4". And... He is so unattractive. I mean, and this sounds awful. I know. Don't write me letters. But literally, he was so unattractive. I literally couldn't look at him throughout the date. I was like looking just over his shoulder till I got a crick in my neck. He was lovely and charming and funny, but like he was 5'4", oh completely unlookable at. You know? Did you slow dance? That would be funny. Oh, God, no. I, oh, God, I felt so bad. And so, yes, write me letters. I know I'm a horrible, shallow person, but again, I was 22. 22. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I think I think we have uh, I think we've exhausted today's topic. Yes, so. I think we have. <laughs> Chris, as always, it is a joy to spend this time with you. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Oh, Chris, I forgot, I forgot to tell you, we are now being listened to in like eight different countries. Really. Eight different countries. Australia just came on. So Aus I thought that was Aussie. pretty cool. Yeah. Aussies. Shrimps on the Bobby. Shrimps on oh, the Bobby. They love that. We just <laughs> lost Australia. Thank you. <laughs> uh, all right. So thank you for joining us today. Huge thank you to our amazing, overworked, and underpaid producer, Mr. Jack Edinger. If you have a workplace question or a cubicle dilemma or a quagmire, give us a shout. Uh, no question is too large, no question is too small. And there are so many ways you can find us. You could email us to info at cubicleconfidential.com. You could find us on LinkedIn, uh, Cubicle Confidential. You could tweet us, Cubicle Confide One. You could just find Chris, Ab Chris DeSantis and Mary Abajay on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. People were everywhere. And until next week, we want you to work hard, be kind, and if you can't, Call us. Jack, 
Let's jam to some music. 